All right, hello, and welcome to another episode of Extraneous. Supernatural edition. There was a new episode this week, y'all. <laughs> or, like, you listen to this on Monday, so you know when I say this week, I mean, like, the Thursday that just happened. Yeah, exactly. That's the way time works. Um, And for us, it just happened last night, so... <laughs> It did. It did just happen last night. I'm still I'm still getting over it. We'll get into it. We're going to get into it. We should introduce ourselves. Hey, what's up? <laughs> so I'm going to do that. I'm Takia. I'm Leah. And we're terrible at introducing <laughs> ourselves every time. I, we usually try to be better about it, but our editor is on uh, a break right now, so that means I'm editing this, so I'm like, uh, eh, whatever. I mean, also, I feel like we're just talking to our friends, so it's not, like, yeah. you know who I am. Yeah. That's we, fine. We, I mean, we will always introduce ourselves, but I think, I think you can figure it out. All right, so let's do a recap. What happened in this episode? So this was a pretty standard Supernatural episode in terms of structure. Yeah, honestly, like, one of the things that I picked up on immediately watching the preview for this one at the end of the rupture was that like this felt like it was going to be like just kind of your standard hunt yep which was really nice to get back to especially like uh the last two seasons have felt so serialized and so deep in whatever the big bad is or what what the unfolding overarching story Mm -hmm. and so like to get the standard hunts feels really really nice yeah it's it's definitely uh a nice throwback. But I will say, I think, I, I mean, Supernatural never does show too much of its hand. I Sometimes I think the Warner Brothers and CW marketing department does. Um, <laughs> but, like, they don't. So I like that we had no inkling that God was going to be in this episode. Yeah. And I think that's how it's going to work. We, You will not know that Chuck is going to show up in an episode unless his name is in the credits in the beginning. Which is the only way I knew. I, called, I was like, oh, well, this is a Chuck episode, too. So that was nice to see. But yeah. back to what happened. So our A plot is a standard hunt. Yes. Is the boys go to a high school. In there's Beaverdale. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, you know, star football player is a vampire. Uh-huh. Honestly, La- it's a uh, little... lacrosse. Oh, I'm sorry. Lacrosse player. Thank you. <laughs> His mom wanted really badly for you to know that. <laughs> Suburban people. Um, it's really interesting because they uh, play the kind of like monstrosity of what's happening up against the monstrosity of like uh, privileged parents. Yes. <laughs> Which is really funny to me. It, it's, it is interesting because uh, the initial reaction of the parents to be like, well, we have a scout coming to see him. Yeah, I need this uh, memorial service not to be happening. <laughs> can, can you just do it at halftime? And it's like, awful but but then like i think there is something about how they were just trying to put it out of their brains because they did know that their son was responsible for what happened still awful still awful um i think that there's something really interesting to uh the whatever it takes mentality of like a certain sect of parents so like like the the like not coddling but like protecting their child and like trying to clear the way and make everything safe and kidnap girls and keep them in the basement it was the garage (laughs) in plain view (laughs) yeah they dad clearly was not a uh experienced kidnapper (laughs) because like he just tied this girl up and there's blood everywhere i'm like um i'm not i'm not rooting for you but you should probably like fix your stuff (laughs) um and so that's our a plot line also big up to the principal because i could tell the entire time she was over it oh yeah she was she was also done with the boys like dean made a crack about (laughs) the second when the second cheerleader goes missing dean makes a crack about somebody has a fetish and she's like excuse me 
She is just out here trying to do her job. Yeah. And she's damn good at it. You could tell. She's like, I'm not going to take shit from my parents. I'm not going to take shit from these kids. And these FBI agents are dicks. <laughs> but then on the B plot, we have Chuck and Becky. I feel like we knew Becky was coming back. Mm -hmm. And I think I just kept avoiding it because I didn't want to deal with her. It was nice to see Becky went to therapy, accepted the fact that maybe she had problems, and got her life together. Like, I appreciate Becky now. Also, Becky looks a lot more like us now. Yes. I mean, that big house, I definitely don't have. <laughs> but, like, writing AU fic. Yep. And, like, collecting collectibles. And, like... She's turning a profit from her fandom? Yeah. Hey, what's up? Professional fandom right here. <laughs> like, like, okay, Becky, I see you. Now you look like a proper fan. That you're not roofing people. Yeah, exactly. Like, let's let's move in the not roofing people <laughs> direction. And I think that it was interesting to watch Chuck reinsinuate himself with Becky. Chuck is just, like, the worst boyfriend. The worst. The <laughs> worst. Like, every time I'm just like, oh, my God, I know this guy and I hate you. So they spend, you know, a couple of hours working through Chuck's, like, writer's block, I guess, and ultimately snapping uh, Becky and her whole family away. Just thanos everybody. Though they're not dead, he makes clear, and I don't know if I believe him. I but don't I either. But I think that it's an interesting point, and I think that it's something worth remembering. Yeah. He says that they're not dead, they're just away. Yeah, what does, a, like, did he lock them in, like, Amara's prison? Like, where are, like, I'm I'm genuinely curious, I have no idea. But I think it's interesting that, like, Chuck moved into Becky's house. He's like, I like this place. It's got nice views, good windows, free Wi-Fi. I'm like, you asshole. Like, he's got, he can make anything, and instead of making his own little hidey hole writer thing, like he has done before, he just took it. Yeah. He just took it from his ex. Yeah, because he wants to play in his Sims world. Blah. That's the end of the sentence. That's... I just, I really, 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 really hate him. Oh. I mean, that's basically the episode. <laughs> that's what happens in the episode. Sidebar, did you have a moment of like when Chuck was being old Chuck? When he was like sitting there and being really pathetic with Becky? Yeah. Did you have a moment of being like, Oh, that Chuck I remember. Yes, I did. It felt gross. Before we get into the episode title, I think that it's worth digging into the scene between Becky and Chuck a little bit more. Yeah. Because, um, like, I think that this could come up in themes of, you know, author insert or something like that. Yeah. But it also feels just like a separate thing to look at. And honestly, the second he showed up, I was like, oh, God. LOL. <laughs> <laughs> I laughed. <laughs> I was just like, oh no, Becky doesn't know that he's God. Yeah. And from that realization for me, the entire thing became icky. Yeah. Right? It became very like abuse of power. Yeah. Like it was already uncomfortable mm -hmm. that he, as this person that Becky sees as a celebrity and like fawns over and is the author of her favorite novels that she was obviously kind of unhinged about that they were dating that was already like an imbalance in yeah a, an imbalance of power like breeding ground for an abusive relationship but then for him to be like god and not tell her uh -huh. i mean they go through this whole thing and he knows so much more about the world that she you know spends a lot of her time invested in yeah and he he's done things that if she knew she would be really upset about mm -hmm. and he's still just kind of like using her to like as she says like fluff him she said that and i was like girl yes, yes. 
That's precisely what it is. I was like, big, big, big old bruised ego. I got in a fight with Sam and Dean, <laughs> and my sister wouldn't help me. And you're the only one I still like, Becky. And I'm like, how did you survive for so long? Oh, right, you're God, not actually a starving writer. Mm-hmm. It was just so apparent that the second Becky's like, I got my shit together, and also I have stuff to do. She was like, I got orders to fill. I got fic to finish. Like, please get out of my house. Here's a glass of water. Goodbye. Yes. And he immediately immediately just starts preying on her emotions. He falls back into playing a role, which is yes. what he likes the best. He yes. likes to play in his little world. Yeah, he just wants to be one of the other Sims in his little Sims world. Yeah, he likes being Chuck. Chuck's to... cool. And you know what? I get it. Decision fatigue. Being in charge is hard. Like <laughs> I... <laughs> he just wants to like like let all of it go and be someone else and and pretend that he's not the one pulling the strings. But it's really disingenuous in a way yes it's absolutely that and that's why the sequence where he like starts to fall back and you you remember this version of chuck it it still didn't sit well with me because there's so much on top of it that now i as the audience knows what's going on Mm -hmm. and it's really gross like it like everything about the characterization of god right now really goes back and undoes a lot of the positive feelings I had towards Chuck Mm -hmm. at the beginning. The monster at the end of this book is my favorite episode. (laughs) I'm not even sure that the writers fully intended this. I think think that this is one of those moments where the story just goes where the story goes. But so much of it goes back and rewrites all of that. Do you remember when we discussed that episode and every time we discussed Chuck, I was like pulling my own hair out, trying to rewrite my own brain to just look at it as an episode because nobody ever intended this to happen. Mm -hmm. Back in season Mm -hmm. four, this was not the intention. Mm -hmm. But do you remember I had such a hard time with it? You see what I mean, right? Yeah, but here's (laughs) the thing. We go through a lot of iterations of Chuck. Chuck the prophet, Chuck the benevolent god, Mm -hmm. Chuck the distant father, and Chuck the kind of cruel god. And at each of those steps, it does sort of twist and change because of the omnipotence, I think. Honestly, it changes the way you saw the last version of him. Yeah. For me, you can watch Monster at the end of this book, realizing that Chuck is a prophet. Once you know that he's god, it still kind of works. You just think that there is a benevolent thing that he's doing. Like there's a role that he is playing in that as a way to help the boys and like, like ultimately he wants to see the world continue to spin. Yeah. And so there's a sense that, okay, he's not doing everything that he could and like, you know, grapple with whatever faith you have to figure out like why <laughs> why God doesn't intervene. But it's understood that he's ultimately on the right side and is playing this game for a reason. Yeah. You, the all-knowing works really well in that uh, read of it. Like yeah. if he's on our side. When he's not. Yeah, when he's not. Then everything becomes a giant manipulation and it ruins any trust that you ever had because uh-huh. obviously like, you couldn't trust him the entire time. Mm-hmm. There's something about the way that he like when he does sit there and he tells Becky and he's like oh I fought with them and I and I'm the only thing that makes me happy is writing. Okay oh that's the thing the only thing that makes me happy is writing. Yeah. 
is his whole gig. And then Becky's like, so right. What's wrong with, like, just start doing it? And I think when Chuck took his football and went home at the end of last season, was like, fine, this is the end. I think he intended that to be the end. I think that might be where Sam and Dean are drawing this Chuck's gone and we're free now and da-da-da, whatever. I think that was Chuck's last, like, kaboom. He stamped his foot and he took off. So I think at that point he decided he was done writing the story. And then he was miserable because he lost his toys. Mm. Nobody's on my side anymore and I don't have any toys anymore and what am I going to do? And Becky's like, just write. And he's like, you know what? You're right. That was a false ending. Let's come back for an encore. And I think that's what happens. So it's like Chuck sitting on the stage playing the guitar for Metatron, making making it seem like he's going to give up himself for Amara. And Chuck creating this gun because he's scared of Jack and that's the only way. Like all of that is just pretend. And all of that is just playing the part that he wants to play. He likes playing a part. So he liked playing Pathetic Chuck. And then he realized, oh wait, I can keep being me and keep writing this story. Because it's my story to write. Mm-hmm. And that's why he sits back down and like writes a brand new ending. Because the one he did already, he didn't like. Yeah. I also get the sense that Chuck is the kind of writer that does just write endings. I don't know how I'm going to get there, but this is how I want it to end. Mm-hmm. It's a good way to do things, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> Um, he's the type to like, you know, write the characters into a corner. And I'm interested to see how the relationship plays out, I guess, more so than his quote unquote story. Mm-hmm. It's also really int- like the author insert of it all is very It's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Also, the, the meta fandom of it all, like, yes. when Becky's like, I write this stuff that's like, they're doing laundry and talking, because that's everybody's sure. favorite. And he's like, ah, monsters, everybody loves the monsters, Leviathan, all teeth. And she just looks at him like, that's not necessarily all, we don't always just want that. And like, that's definitely a meta fandom moment where we're like, can't they just sit down and have a bromance together? <laughs> can't Sam and Dean go on vacation? All right, let's get into the actual episode sorry, title. Sorry for the tangent, y'all, but like... It wasn't a tangent. It was like useful to dig into. Everything Chuck does begs to be discussed. And if we can't put it into a little teeny weeny bottle, we're just going to do it. Like, <laughs> let's it, it, it begs to be discussed. Yes. Let's talk about the title, Atomic Monsters. I think this is a title that we can dig into, but I don't know how much of it is actually meant by the titlers. It's a little bit of a throwaway title. It is. I think that it's one of those things, you ever come up with an idea where you're like, yeah, that works, and you don't think about it any further? Um, And so it's actually that, like, you have intuited onto it a lot of things. And so I think that that's probably what's happening here. Because it does cover the kind of, like, 1950s vibe of the star lacrosse player. (laughs) And, you know, all of the cheerleaders and everyone had perky ponytails and, you know, mom and dad and the white picket fence. And it does feel kind of like a post-nuclear... It was Beaverdale, which is definitely a river Riverdale little hat tip and like not the CW's Riverdale but like Archie Comics is that 50s soda shop and and ice cream floats and having a good time together with your friends vibe like is what that is yes but there's also the sense of what comes after an atomic bomb Mm -hmm. the what comes after the fallout and I think we see that showing up a lot across the episode yeah I think if we determine that the bomb as it were was God stamping his foot and all the ghosts 
coming out. Like, if we take it not to be, like, the bomb in Beaverdale or whatever, but the bomb in the show. That's that moment. It's also inclusive of uh, Rowena and Jack's death, I think, and Cass leaving. All of that, all of that was collateral damage. Mm-hmm. So now we are we are in the fallout. These episodes are part of the fallout. So what are the monsters that arrive with that? Yeah. And it's not just your standard hunt monsters, like a vampire. Like, the fact that the vampire is this kid who did what, unfortunately, horny teenagers sometimes do and, like, lose control of their emotions. Yes. And he did it in the worst possible way and he feels awful and guilty and he knows he can't go on because of, like, how bad it is. Like, it's so upsetting that they have to kill him because he can't control himself. Like, that is part of this fallout is the fact that Sam and Dean in this new world where they're free and and all that other stuff, they still have to kill a teenager who had a potentially bright future playing lacrosse at Yale. Yep. Like, for all the laughter and the snottery of it all, like, that kid had a life. Yep. Not anymore. Some monster took it from him, and then he lost control. Yes. Like, and we also have to deal with, you know, Chuck. Yes. His new vendetta, which is to make the best ending ever after the last one was kind of, like, already dealt with, that is part of this fallout. They solved the rupture in three episodes. Now what you gonna do? Yeah. And, I mean, Chuck himself, I think, is dealing with a fallout. He is weakened by the gunshot and he is at the beginning of this episode very kind of lost a little wayward he's definitely trying to figure out how to put the pieces back together himself and so that's definitely part of this larger sense of fallout the episode starts i was actually just realized uh we had yet to discuss this you're about to also also what's up we're talking about atomic stuff. What if we called the cold open the Red Scare? I mean, it works. <laughs> <laughs> but the episode opens with uh, the bunker under alert. Honestly, it feels a lot like there's a there's an incoming nuclear attack. Yeah, uh, like there- the bunker. We know that the bunker locks itself down. Yeah, it shuts it shuts everything down. It turns on those those like klaxons and those red lights. That is what happens when it is a world-ending thing. So literally, you are in a fallout shelter. Yes, and that scene is crazy. So we're we're still kind of talking about, I mean, talking about the meaning of the title is leading us into this. And again, similar to how like Chuck begs to be discussed, the cold open of this episode begs to be discussed. So we're just going to do it. Like, let's just dial into it. There's no need to segregate this part. So we start with Dean. And in the interviews leading up to this, Mm -hmm. uh, I think... Jensen calls it like John Wick style. Yeah, he, was, uh, he said very John Wick and um, born, maybe he mentioned. And he's ruggedly like just like going through. That's where we get the beard. So it's, it's a good look. That's one uh, prediction that was thwarted. No time jump. Desert. <laughs> desert storm. Yes, Dean very. With the with the flak jacket and the and the beard and the scarf and the like the guns. It is like it is like John Krasinski in whenever he's in an army movie. Yeah, Jack is what, Ryan. It's the very Jack Ryan. <laughs> I I don't know I don't know what I discovered about myself last night, but I was like, oh shit, that's my jam. <laughs> But he's going through the bunker and he's taking out these demons left and right. Yeah. And we get to a sequence where he sees Benny uh, in the kitchen. Yeah, it was the kitchen. On the floor, they share a moment. Benny dies again. Again. See you on the other side. I'm <laughs> is like, that like no. three times. Like... <laughs> that, is, that is three times. <laughs> I wonder who has the most deaths in Supernatural that's not Sam, Sam Dean. Is it Benny? Rowena? She's three that we see. Yeah. I don't oh, this is uh this is a 
stat that we should look up and get back to. We'll get back to. Boop a doo, boop a doo, boop a doo. <laughs> News alert. We didn't do the research yet. But then he comes in contact with Sam. Yeah. Uh, right after finding a demon on the floor near Benny, and uh, he's like, Where is he? And the demon's like, He's closer than you think. And then he shoots the demon. And then we find out that he is Sam. Yeah. And it's very like Satan Sam, but honestly, a little more sober mm. for me. And I think that that is because what Dean says is that like it's the demon blood. Like yeah. I don't think that this is Sam that is possessed. This no. is a Sam that is doing these things himself. Yeah, I agree. Loser Sam, whatever is is suave. There's no suave here. Yes, he's cold. This is sociopathic at this point. Yeah, this is a little bit soulless Sam, but again, a, like more grounded yeah. and sober. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Mm-hmm. And. We get the sequence that in the premiere episode flashes where Dean is begging Sammy and Sam's eyes go black yeah. and he's able to like kill people with his mind. Yeah. Um, and it's really, really intense cut to Sam, uh, our Sam waking up. Yeah. And the entire thing, you're just like, what is this? What I am mean, I supposed to do with this? I was I was losing it a little bit because in my head I was like, okay, this is a flash forward. This is this is a vision. I really this think is this is dream. an AU. In my head, it's a vision. This is a this is a gift Sam has. He can see the future. This is his gift. Yeah, but I think that this is more related to the bullet wound with God. Yes. And this is a vision of an alternate reality that Chuck has created like maybe it's one of the millions of others versions of sam and dean maybe this is that ending that chuck just wrote at becky's house and she's like it's so bleak but you but just why did would dean. benny like, be there um honestly for for fan cred <laughs> chuck's chuck's just writing it to get the fans on his side I'll, I'll throw benny in there too from what we actually know from interviews with jensen um they were looking for a familiar face to put into that sequence and since jensen was directing he was looking for um, one of their sort of regular recurs to come in and do it. And um, he said that of, of the options given to him, most people were not available. And he suddenly was like, oh, wait, is Ty around? And he got Ty Olsen to come back for half a day to shoot that sequence. So presumably the individual who was sitting in the kitchen dying that Dean has a moment with was not, that, that specific individual was not important, just that they were somebody familiar to us. Which is what, to me, grounds it more in being an alternate reality, yeah. right? That, like, in all of these versions of Earth, um, all these, like, different supernatural universes, yeah. we have a lot of the familiar characters. So, oh, so you're thinking that this is a vision of a different world that has already existed? Yeah. So, okay, in my mind, this is an alternate universe, as in this is not going to happen. This is the ending that God is aiming towards for our boys and they are trying they're going to try to thwart that i think that this is just like an alternate universe that already happened that there was that you know in one of in one of a million universes uh sam gets re-addicted to blood at some point right that like yeah i think that there are so many other ways that this could happen it's more so that benny's there that really threw me off of this being any sort of like flash forward or any sort of like okay. vision but here's what I'm going to say to that. In a world in which they put Jody there, because she was an actress on the list of, or Donna, people on the list of people they were going to put there, they just were not available for, not to metagame Supernatural, but Jody and Donna still exist in our universe. So we're, let's say Donna was there. I don't know. We I don't. Do you consider that to be automatically a difference? I don't a think we. Universe? I don't think we can have this conversation because I don't know what Donna or Jody looked like in that scene. 
right? Because that's fair. That's fair. So much of alternate universes are like slight, right? Like it's the Misha in French Mistake. Like it, like there, <laughs> it's slight variations on the characters that we know. That's and so true. without knowing what they looked like in that scene, I can't. Okay, fine. That's fair. <laughs> um, I will also say that reminds me that one of the things in that vision or alternate universe or whatever it is, um, when Dean confronts Sam and he's like, it's the demon blood or whatever. And he says to him something like, after what you did in Sioux Falls. Yeah. And he's like, what you did to Bobby, to Jody, which is when I was like starting to like shake my hands nervously because if this is an AU and this is just visions and we're going to avoid all of this, fine, good, excellent. We're not going to see it. If this is a world where this starts to take shape in our universe, in, in Sam and Dean, our Sam and Dean's universe, like Sam goes haywire because of this God bullet and because of demon blood and like kills Jody. What am I going to, what are we going to do in that universe? Sam doesn't make it out of the show alive. No way. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I'm like, it's it freaked me out slightly. Yeah. I will say, uh, and I don't know, maybe this is like new prediction alert. Like, I like. Do you want to like a good noise? I want like a good noise. That was like Blue's Clues. <laughs> <laughs> I hate you. I hate you. Why do I do this? I'm here. Um, But like what I. <laughs> What I would love to see or what I think might be interesting and might be a direction we're heading in is to see the uh, walls of the universes come down. Mm. One thing we haven't really seen before as we explore this like multiverse theory of supernatural yeah. is different Sams and Deans. Oh my God. So it's like the superhero shows aren't the only ones doing crisis on yes! Infinite Earths. It's like Supernatural yes! gonna do it too. Let's, Please, let's get for me. Oh my God. Because Stephen Amell crosses over into Supernatural. They've been what? <laughs> <laughs> they've been really subtle and like, but also kind of amping it up, right? Like Michael from the alternate universe was mm. a is a big swing into multiverse theory. Yes, and I would be really interested. It'd be such a weird way to end this show, but I'd be really interested. <laughs> I mean, I don't. I don't know if. I mean, not I agree. like end end, but you know what I mean. Like it'd be a, a weird thing to tackle around the... episode fourteen. <laughs> yeah, but I'd be here for it. The walls, the walls between the worlds came down, <laughs> and there was a like CW did two Crisis on Infinite Earths this year, and one of them was unexpected. <laughs> was not in any of the TCA interviews. Oh my god, uh, I, that's interesting. I don't know if I would hate it or love it, but like, it's definitely interesting to like a, a direction that I never considered. Yeah, but like, that's fun to play with. Yeah, Sammy wakes up from that vision and or AU dream or or like or or like God memory of another world that he fucked over. Like, who knows? It was just really important to dig into that sequence because there is so much that we don't know yet about what Sam is seeing or why Sam is seeing it. But the things that he is seeing are they gonna mean They're not something? Good. No, it's not good. And it's probably going to come up again. <laughs> also, like, one of the themes that I saw was that this was a lot of last-ditch efforts. Mm. This is a lot of scraping the bottom of the barrel, kind of. Chuck going to Becky, like, why Why was that the decision he made? That's a last-ditch effort. Dean dragging Sam on a, on a one-girl-missing cattle mutilation thing to try to, like, pull him out of his funk. Yeah. That's kind of a last-ditch effort. Everything Sam is going through, he's at the end of his rope. And I think not only losing Jack, losing the hunters, having to kill Rowena, dealing with everything God put them through, suffering from this wound that he doesn't understand, and now seeing these whack visions, Sam is to steal from another franchise butter scraped over too much bread. He's got almost nothing left to him. And I don't know how Sam 
climbs out of what's going on. Can I say something else? Yes. That just hit me. Uh-oh. When we talk about last ditch efforts with Shh. Chuck and why he showed up there. You just uh. do this thing sometimes where you like kind of squint your eyes and you lean back a little bit and I get nervous about what's about to come out. No, 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 no. I just this is an this isn't a, even a prediction. This is just like a thing to think about that okay. I think is interesting. Okay. We don't actually know what Chuck Shirley looks like. When we are introduced to Chuck, it's uh because he's a recluse author yeah. and the only person who has any like idea who Carver Adlin is is the one chick from the publisher. Yes. But she's never met him. But she's never met him. They are sent to the house and everything else about Chuck is kind of ushered in through his like one relationship with the boys and like being quote unquote pulled out of hiding. Mm -hmm. And so I think that like there is a maybe not interesting to Supernatural because like who cares? Like this is obviously like all a machination of God and like that's the important part. But I think that there is like I guess like how like the question of like how does God pick a vessel or like who was I never thought he was a vessel. So he just became like comes into being. Yeah, yeah. I think that I think that that's interesting. I don't think I. I mean, the way that we see stuff work with archangels, I don't think there is a there is a universe in which a vessel can hold God. He's God. He gets to make himself a meat suit. Gross. It kind of makes the most sense to me. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that it would be also interesting if there were a Carver Edlin slash Chuck Shirley like walking around that he like had to subsume the life of. I mean, I would definitely read that fic. I don't. Think... <laughs> no, no, jo- no joke. That's a, that's a delightful a- avenue to explore. I don't think that's the case. I'm pretty sure he created Chuck Holcloth, but like, I would be down like that that Marvel what if like to see what's going on there. Like that's <laughs> while wicked. we're in our uh, multiverse. I mean, now we're just gonna do a what if. I, I'm saying. <laughs> Um, I'd be really, I'd actually be really down. Other themes. Oh, we, we were still talking about Last Ditch Efforts. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I just think that, like, it's episode four and these characters, all of the characters moving this story kind of don't know what to do next mm-hmm. and are struggling to find their footing. Yes. And this episode kind of focused around a little bit of, like, isolation and loss that Sam and Dean I think are meant to feel very alone, even though like they still have like Jody and Donna and they're like people out there that they could call and like hang out with. Yeah. But it's a, which we will talk about honestly in the next breath, but the conversation that they have in the car is really built up to show all of the people that they've lost and make it seem like they are like in the center alone. Uh And I think that Chuck really wants to create this one like victimhood of him being in the center alone. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. there's a lot of it. It seems like isolation being created here. Uh, but created by the individuals putting themselves yeah. there, right? Like, like Sam and Dean are having, like, we've talked, like, it is legitimately rough going. But you cannot tell me that they couldn't just go to Sioux Falls and, like, camp on Jody's couch and just, like, she would make recover. Them dinner. Legit. Like, that is, that is a, that's a thing that would happen. She would make a fire for them. Cass would have stayed and helped and helped them, like, grieve and rebuild. But Dean sent him away because he's a big brat. Like. There'd be a casserole dish. <laughs> <laughs> um. Like, Chuck Chuck also isolated himself because he's a dick. Yep. So let's talk about that conversation. The car talk. Roman. Like, this is a cla- This is a classic. Oh, God. There's tears in the car. Tears <laughs> in the car while it's driving so that they can't always be looking at each other. Mm-hmm. Like, so one of them's looking out the window. One of them's looking out the windshield. The conversation between Sam and Dean, and we've mentioned this before, like, it is just almost the absolute desolation 
of Sam Winchester as an individual who can keep moving forward. Like, it's scary a little bit how bad off he is right now. And I kind of, I like watching characters get to explore this stuff. I'm starting to not not like it because I still like the show and I'm glad they're exploring it. But it it hurts to watch Sam right now. Oh, yeah, absolutely. What Sam brings up for me right now is, like, the fact and how much depression, like, comes in waves. Uh Because this feels like such a different Sam from your season eight, from your, honestly, like, even, like, the last couple of seasons. Earlier this season, Sam seemed more hopeful. Yeah, he was. Um, The conversation that he has with Charlie in Book of the Damned, uh, season 10, is very much a Sam that is, like, sure of what he's doing. Yes. And not depressed because that's the life that he has to live. He seems hopeful in hunting. Like, this is the road that he is now on and he's okay with it. I mean, when we talked about that, we talked about like, oh, good. Sam's like, you know, it's like Sam went to therapy. Like, Sam's like, seems solid and he's like figured it out. And like, this is where he is. And so to be back in this Sam who still thinks about Jessica and still has all of that pain and is no longer able to keep it like, like buried inside of him to see him back having you know visions or whatever that haunt him at night to see him barely able to hold it together in that conversation like it like he is going through it yeah the brothers do this a lot where if one of them is down the other one tries to bring them up and so dean says that dean says that like at the beginning of this season he was like like in the crypt he he was done and Sam is the one that helped bring him out we have uh-huh. to do our job still we have to we have to I think with Rowena that was just one too many losses I really do I think Sam was just like and now what like he has this whole conversation before in earlier in the episode where like like he sees a woman jogging by with like a baby carriage and he's like so we just go around and we we hunt these things and they know nothing and we we have to solve the thing for them and bear all of the pain like like Sam is just like at what point at what point do I get a reprieve because yes. at this moment it's not he can't have a reprieve when he sleeps and he doesn't get it during the day so when does he and it's the moment where sam says something like maybe i'll feel better in the morning that like i felt that very 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 deeply like that is a very legitimate sentiment and that is the point where i was like well shit y'all need a vacation Boys, go to the beach. The monsters will still be there later. He need, they need a vacation. And Sam <laughs> needs, needs a vacation. Sam needs a therapist. Yeah, wolf. Because, yeah, it's just, like, it. it's really sad to see him back in such yeah. a dark place. Yeah, like, and understandably, right? Like, Sam is a character with a lot of ups and downs. And you can see why he got to where he got. And that, like, his brother teasing him with real bacon when he you know, doesn't like bacon and going on a hunt when usually hunts drag him out of those things. Like you can see why Dean is doing those things and why they just aren't working this time. Yeah. It's rough. It's rough, 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 rough right now for the boys. Meat man. (laughs) Meat man. (laughs) Guys, don't feed your friends who don't eat bacon real bacon. No. Don't do that. Really mean. Yeah. In terms of minor characters, there really weren't. Honestly, there were like five people in this whole episode. Yeah. Um, like, we could count the, the folks in the AU or the Vision, but, like, we talked about that already, so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and also Becky coming back, and she has her family with her two kids and all that. Like, we talked about them as well. Yeah. Um, outside of them, there's nobody that I yeah. think is going to be recurring. Becky, Benny, this episode was brought to you by the letter B. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, uh, music. 
Hey, we did get a musical cue this time. We did. Uh, at the end when um, the lacrosse boy who's a vampire and killed the girl by accident, as he tells his parents, he's like, no, we, I can't just go to college. Like, just say I kidnapped her and yada yada. And you see the montage of the parents going to the cops and saying that false story and Sam and Dean taking the kid out to kill him. In the Woods over that plays Sounds of Someday by Radio Company, which is Jensen's new band. Yeah, it's honestly, this is a great song. Yeah. And it's really good because the song itself is this like very rich, folksy sound. It's not like your traditional supernatural uh-uh. thing, but it's over them driving out to the like woods. And it feels really like it makes the scene heavier. Yes, heavy is a good word. And it feels really like mournful and it kind of like reiterates all of the feelings that we've talked about throughout this episode where you don't want to see Sam especially, but the boys like have to kill this kid. Yeah. It really kind of like amps up that because you you feel it in your gut. There aren't a ton of lyrics to this song. The verses are very, very short, but the, the bit that we do here is the chorus, though the sounds of someday are going to lead you home, I believe. There's something interesting there. And when... home is death. Continue. Wow. You fucking yikes. But there is <laughs> there is something in there if you look at purely supernatural, not the fact that like this is a song that Jensen and uh, Steve, I believe, wrote. And you just, just attach it to supernatural like we do with everything else in supernatural. There is something about the idea that the way you keep going is by hoping for the future. That's the sound of someday. The idea of what is to come. And that hope in the future is the thing that will bring you home. Whether home is an ending or or complacency or, you know, death, as my morose co-host said out loud. This is so much more hopeful than anything I would have read. <laughs> I Here's the thing. I think it's supposed, like, it's. I don't think it is hopeful. I think that is a sentiment that the song is not necessarily supportive of. Uh. I think it's a false hope, but it is something that people do. Same way in the show. I think they, like, it's last ditch. It is scrabbling for the edge when you're drowning. Like, it is trying to find something to hold on to, and so you're grasping onto, it's going to be okay. This is Sam saying, maybe I'll feel better in the morning. Yes. That's kind of what that feels like to me. Oof. I'm, like, I don't know. It's a great song. It is a great song. Heard a little bit over the episode. Yeah, go back and rewatch that. Feel the pain. Feel my pain. <laughs> uh, lore? We didn't get any new lore. We had Ch- we had Chuck and vampires, man. We've done it. <laughs> we done did it. We know this now. Yeah, we honestly don't even get a lot of information about like how the kid becomes a vampire. No, just that he was bit. Yep. And he lost control and etc. I have a I have a vote for <laughs> who was extra. Who was extra? The Props and set design department. When they get <laughs> Becky's house. Extra Honestly, <laughs> Becky's house, yes. 
extra in the most delightful way because top to tail or whatever that is, that house was just littered yeah. in both licensed and original machination, <laughs> supernatural stuff. And I loved, loved, loved seeing it all. Yeah, lots of figurines, uh, the Impala. She had multiple Impalas, had like um, pops and dorbs and like the little skinny action figures. <laughs> and then she was making those maquettes. Like she made little, like you could see Bobby's scrapyard and mm-hmm. um, a couple motels. Like... <laughs> It was it was so cool to see all that stuff laid out. And actually, we were when we were rewatching a couple of the scenes. Her laptop case is yes, like, I love her laptop case or like skin or whatever. Yeah, it is. the like deep floral with, with the impala with, in the middle. Yeah, that was so good. I was like, I want that on my laptop. <laughs> Can we make that? <laughs> Can we license that supernatural, please? <laughs> Um, and I know that on Twitter, some of the um, production team was posting images of um, fan made like knits mm-hmm. or. Uh, like little plushies or like key roomies <laughs> or whatever um, because they were asking, hey, does anybody know who made this specifically? And fans were like, why? And they're like, you'll see, watch episode four. So a lot of that stuff they had were like either gifts probably from fans to the cast and the crew like sent to Vancouver or maybe they were purchased off of a Nazi site. But like that house was not just covered in official pop toys and official licensed gear, but like also had a lot of fan created stuff hiding. And there's something about that. That makes me feel big big time, big feels. Yeah, this episode as a whole, you could sort of like start feeling it moving in the direction of like, I don't know how to be like, it's not fan service, it's, but it's like yeah. moving in the direction of all of these things that are important to fans and like paying homage and honoring like the run of the show, I think. I'll give you one. How about it is fan service, and fan service doesn't have to be a derogatory term. That's fair. It's just that it always it is always used that is, way. But tell you what, I'm gonna say it is fan service, but it's it's fan service for a really good reason, and it's done tastefully. Positive fan. Positive service. fan service. <laughs> it's like, hey y'all, this was gonna be an episode with Becky because we're we're everybody gets a victory lap. And she loves Supernatural. And in addition to doing all the stuff that we've done in the show, let's stick some of the stuff that you know in here. Like, it's a nice nod. Yeah, right? Because, like, we get the, like, Jessica check and Benny. And there's just, like, a lot of stuff that feels like you're starting to, like, build towards something that is going to be, like, big and pays homage to the to the whole of Supernatural, which, like, is hard. So Every episode so far, (laughs) every episode so far has done something that's made me go oh, this is the final season. And, like, a lot of that type of stuff was was what made me think that. There's just stuff that happens, and you're like, holy, holy cats, this is the final season. This is why they're doing this specifically. Yeah. Speaking of, hmm. um, segueing into the trailer for next week. Yes. Oh, right. Again, talk about Meta Moments. Yeah. In that trailer. It looks I, like a baby. Oh, they, you see Sam and Dean pretending to be park rangers or something like that. And so they're showing off IDs, but IDs that they haven't used in years. Mm-hmm. And so they both look ridiculous in the picture. Just like ton of babies. A ton of babies. And again, all we see is them pulling IDs out of a trunk and going up to the park ranger service and something in the woods is killing people, mm-hmm. which could be anything. No hint of Chuck, no hint of other characters, but I think the show is not going to give us any of that in previews. No, and this one I don't think is going to be a standard hunt um, because I I feel like usually if it's going to be a standard hunt, they give you 
uh, preview something sort of in the middle of the episode, mm-hmm. right? Like you, you can tell that like it's unfolding around. That's why when we saw the preview for that uh, this episode, I was like, oh great, this is gonna be like yeah. you know just like normal stuff. This one because they only show you the beginning. I'm already thinking about like okay, something is gonna go wrong or be extra or like is this when Chuck shows up again? Like what happens here? So in addition to like guessing from the preview that this is not going to be a standard hunt like this is this is a guess on our parts the next episode's title is proverbs 17 3 and when this was first announced in the list of episode titles we went and looked it up the bible has multiple translations but i and we will definitely get into this next week because i have a funny feeling it's gonna be really important but proverbs 17 3 says the crucible for silver the furnace for gold but the lord tests the heart the boys are about to go through a crucible in this episode And if the Lord is testing it, Chuck has some shit up his sleeve. Ugh, they're gonna break up. And Fuck I me. don't, I don't know about you, but when I, I don't know if this made it into our guesses episode, mm-hmm. but I, I said it to you, and I was like, I have this gut feeling. Weeks ago, I said this that it's going to be Jessica testing Sam. Oh, do you remember that? I was like, I feel like she's gonna come back in a vision, or Chuck's gonna bring her back as like a figure, anything to torture Sam. Mm. And Sam name checked her last night, and I threw my hands in the air <laughs> and was like, nobody's here to see me do a victory lap because I guarantee he's going to get tested. And I think God is here to just mess with Sam. I don't know who knows what this is, but my gut instinct. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We will see. I don't want them to go through a crucible neither. So like. Yeah. Oh, well. (laughs) And that is the end. And that is the end. Guys, thank you so much for listening to us like string out and like rip our hair out trying to figure out what's going on in Supernatural season 15. Yeah. This episode is definitely like one of them where you're like, oh man, the rest of the season is going to be a lot. Yep. As always, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Hey, guys. It helps people find us. I say this every week, and I feel like you don't hear me, but. (laughs) Yeah. No, no, no. But seriously, like, drop us a review on that Apple podcast. Yeah, please. It would. It'd be really nice of you. Thank you. (laughs) Uh, And you can follow us on social. We're extraneouspod on Twitter and extraneous.pod on on Facebook and Instagram. Yep. uh, Follow us wherever. Um, Also, we live tweet every new episode of Supernatural. One of us will be in charge of the tweets. So get in there. Follow us. Laugh at our jokes. Please laugh at our jokes. (laughs) Um, But yeah, that's it. So thanks so much for joining us. We'll see y'all next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.